Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned, this is the second part in the series, Who is Jesus? And it's entitled, Jesus is the Son of Abraham. This sermon and series is written by Reed Lessing. More attention has been given to Jesus. More devotion has been given to Jesus. More adoration has been given to Jesus. More opposition has been given to Jesus than any other person ever. Every recorded word that Jesus has been of Jesus has that Jesus said has been sifted, analyzed, scrutinized, debated every word. More than all the kings and queens, philosophers and scientists put together. After 2000 years There is never one minute on earth that millions are not studying what Jesus said. Think about it. Really think about it. Here's a person who lived in a tiny land two millennia ago, yet his birth divides the centuries. A.D., B.C., before Christ, Anadomini, the year of the Lord. Just who is this person Who is Jesus? That's the question we're asking during this Advent season. Who is Jesus? Matthew is our guide. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Question, who is Abraham's famous son? Answer, that would be Isaac, the son of sacrifice. That would also be Jesus. Jesus is the son of sacrifice. You know Isaac's story. It's one of the most dramatic stories in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah have been trying to have children all their adult lives. Then at the ripe old age of 100 for Abraham and 90 for Sarah, the son is born. The miracle son. His name is Isaac. Isaac. His name in Hebrew means laughter. Isaac brought Abraham and Sarah great joy. After Isaac had grown up, God speaks these haunting words to Abraham. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. We know something of what Abraham felt. We've had our heart leap into our throat. We've been filled with panic. We've buried our heads in tears and anguish. We know what it's like to see a cloudless day suddenly change into dark clouds, storms, lightning, and tempest. A child is born with spina bifida. A grandmother just died. A career isn't in gear. A father has dementia. He doesn't know anyone anymore. A childhood was ripped apart by an alcoholic parent. A constant state of depression refuses to lessen its grips. A miscarriage still hurts after all these years. At such points in life, it's easy to get lost in despair. We lose ourselves in our jobs or in the internet, or TV, or alcohol. We express our pain in anger, and hatred, and revenge. 
Jesus comes. Jesus helps. Jesus provides. And why is that? Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus is the son of sacrifice. Let's take a look. The preparation for the test. After these things, God tested Abraham. The key words are after these things. What things? Abraham had seen the Lord faithfully guide him from Ur of the Chaldeans to Haran and then to Canaan. Abraham had heard the Lord say, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the heavens. Abraham had witnessed the miraculous birth of Isaac. What's it all mean? It means that God prepared Abraham for his test. God has prepared us too. Holy baptism, the holy gospel, the holy supper, they all deliver the Holy Spirit. And with him, we have forgiveness, joy, and power. Through the means of grace, God pours out upon us courage and confidence, insight and wisdom. The test we're going through isn't random. It's not an accident. Every test is father-filtered. Whatever it is, God has prepared us for the test. The purpose of the test. God tested Abraham. When a storm hits an eagle, it initially appears as though the storm's fury is going to crush the eagle against a rocky cliff. But the eagle faces the storm, tilts his wings at the proper angle, and slowly that fury that might have crushed him begins to drive him upward until he rises above the storm. What's true of eagles can be true of us. The power that looks to destroy us is the same power by which we rise to new heights. God sends tests to bring us to greater heights of conviction and courage and Christian character. There is a purpose for the test. That's what Peter says. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be tested genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I once heard a story about a young man who was taking a philosophy course. He'd studied and studied and studied some more. When he came to the final exam, the philosophy professor wanted to see how much philosophy these young people knew, how well they could think. The final exam was one word, why. The young man thought about it for a while, wrote one word down and walked out, because. Why? You ever ask that question, when you're going through a test, why? Why me? Why me now? God says, because. But he adds these words. Because I love you right where you are, but I love you too much to leave you right where you are. Our tests refine us. They mature us. They season us. They humble us. God tests us to strengthen us.
Satan tests us to destroy us. Satan attacks at the weakest points in our life to bring us down, to bring us defeat. You remember when you were in high school or college and you'd have a teacher or professor who would say this on the first day of class, half of this class is going to fail this course. You remember that? Now didn't that make your day? And the way they said it, I often believed that they were going to take great joy in my failure. That's not the God of Abraham and Isaac. God's tests aren't intended to destroy us. God's tests are intended to develop us. The provision for the test. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Hallelujah. This is our God. Our God sees the need of Noah and provides an ark. He sees Israel in Egyptian bondage and provides a way through the Red Sea. He sees David out muscled by Goliath and provides a rock to hit that uncircumcised Philistine right between the eyes. He sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace and provides a fourth man. With every test, God provides a way out. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear, but when you are tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. The God of Abraham and Isaac is also the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we have the ultimate provision. Paul says again in Romans, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God spared Isaac. He finally didn't spare Jesus. Jesus willingly took the wood and marched up the mount. Not Moriah, but Golgotha. There would be no sacrifice, substitute ram this time. Arrested abruptly, tried unjustly, sentenced callously, mocked repeatedly, abandoned ruthlessly, beaten brutally, crucified barbarously, but he's risen triumphantly. God reversed the curse. Christ is alive never to die again. Death has no more dominion over him. Jesus lives to prove what we need when faced with life's tests. Paul says again in Philippians, And my God will provide for all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Notice the joy of Abraham. He doesn't call this mountain Mount Sacrifice or Mount Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Abraham calls the mountain the Lord Provides. Where God guides, God provides. How do we know? We know Jesus. Jesus is the son of Abraham, the son of sacrifice. Amen.